I recognize that every one of us is prone to pursue idols. Maybe the idols of ourselves. If only I can fix my disorganization or my weight or my shopping habits. If only I can fix these things. But what if we need to stop focusing on ourselves? Maybe the idol that we're worshiping is our family or our relationships we're desiring or our jobs or our football teams. Maybe it's something else that our love is shaped by. What if you and I took these words seriously and we began to say, God, how can we in 2022 love you with our whole heart? Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Hi, I'm Adam. Happy New Year. If you are joining us this morning and you wanted to sleep in and you didn't want to come and be here, but you're here anyway, thank you. And if you're joining us on live stream because you couldn't get here or because you slept in on purpose or an accident, thank you. It is good to gather this morning as we start this new year, as we dive into God's word and we look at the the things he's doing in us and for us. We're beginning a series today called Made for Love, and I did not think about the title until Emily suggested the subtitle. Hey, it's not a relationship series. This is not about you needing a spouse or needing this or that. No, this is about how God made us. We sang earlier about being a child of God. What does that mean? What does that do in our lives, and how do we live because of it? Well, first, we were made for love. Now, I grew up in Nebraska. Anybody ever traveled to Nebraska? If you ever traveled to Nebraska prior to about five years ago, you may have driven into Nebraska and seen this sign. It says this, Nebraska, the good life. As a proud Nebraskan, we loved this sign, and they stole it from us. Quite literally, uh, we had this sign on every street when you entered Nebraska, the good life. And everybody said, oh, that's nice. I like the good life. Unless you came from Iowa, in which case you didn't like Nebraska, you're like, eh, the good enough life. And the good life, we loved this. It was part of who we as Nebraskans were. Come to Nebraska and life will be good. And then Nebraska tourism decided the good life wasn't good enough. So they took it away from us and gave us Nebraska nice. And when everybody responded with, huh? They came out with a new series of slogans and videos and promotions. Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone. Yeah, when you sell it like that, I don't want it either. Give me the good life back. But I love this sign, the good life. You see, I think every one of us is in pursuit of that life. 
We hope to find the good life. We desire to live the good life. We want our life to be wonderful. But what makes life good? How do we find the good life or how do we define it? How do we know when we found it that we have it? Well, for starters, we're not Iowa, so a huge plus. (laughs) My mom's here. She's from Iowa. I have to say that. How do we know the good life? How do we find it? I think for all of history, this has been the question in some capacity people have been asking, how does life get better for me or for my children or for my community than it was before? How do we have a good life? For some, we define our good life by genetics. If you're born in the right family and you're born to the right community, If you're born with the right character traits, like the right physique or color eyes or hair, life will be good for you. Or in other ways, maybe not so physical, we describe our pursuit of life as dictated by our genetics. Well, I'm German, so I'm prone to not be very emotional. That's just the way it is. I'm Irish. I'll probably have another drink. Right? We define whatever it is based on our genetics. And there's some truth. Our genetics obviously shape us and they change us, but are they ultimately the thing that determine for us the good life? Are we stuck being prone to anger because I was born this way? Or could we become less angry anyway? Can we fight against that genetic wiring that says this just is the way it is and live differently if some of that hard wiring is broken? Maybe. Perhaps the pursuit of the good life can't go beyond the way you're born. It just is who you are. Maybe, I don't see her sitting here. She usually sits up here. Maybe Emily could become more organized. Or maybe it's just her genetics and she can't be. And that's okay, right? Maybe the good life requires you to actually submit to, I'll just accept who I am the way I am and never change. But I don't think that's what scripture tells us about a good life. Other people think that our good life is not defined by the way we're born. It's not defined by the genetics inside of us. Our good life is defined by the things we think. Let me clarify. Have you ever heard sayings like, if you believe it, you can achieve it? If you just think differently about a problem, you begin to act differently and then you become different and then the problem will go away. And so we try to think our way out of difficult struggles. So you have an addiction like pornography and the solution maybe you even heard from pastors is, well, just memorize the right scripture verses. And then when you memorize that scripture, you won't ever go back to that thing you once thought was good. Anybody ever hear that? And then you go back to the thing you're told don't do? Or even the thing that you know you shouldn't do, but you keep doing it anyway? I know I shouldn't get mad when you cut me off in traffic, but try me, all right? I'm a work in progress, and I know that. Can I just think my way out of my problems? Well, sometimes we act this way. We treat church and our gathering here as primarily about thinking things, right? So if only the pastor gives a really good sermon with great nuggets of wisdom, something I can tweet or share or write down and remember, if only the pastor preaches something great, if that's the case, you're in the wrong place, 
if it's all about knowing something better or being inspired to think differently. Although next week, Vicar Adam's going to be preaching, then you're in for a treat. But this week, I'm sorry. If thinking and believing is all who we are, if the good life is shaped by just wanting it more with our thoughts, we could go and get a better education, we can go and read a bunch of books, and then suddenly we'll become the people we want to be. It's that time of the year. Anybody set a New Year's resolution? A few of you. I, every year, set out with great intentions. And they usually center around being healthier. I want to be more active for the sake of my kids. I want to eat differently. I I want to do things like that. I want to be more organized. I'm with Emily. That would be awesome. It's not happened yet in many ways. I often set out with these grand ambitions, and then my stack of books on my bedside becomes huge. Anybody in here own books you've never read? that you eventually will get to, right? I promise I'll read those books someday because when I read those books, I'll have the right kind of information. I'll be able to do the things I've never done before and I will be a whole new person and my wife will think I'm wonderful and I'll be a great pastor and everything will change and then if only I just thought my way out of the problem. But unfortunately, we as people are not thinking people. Now, yes, we can think. We have the gift of reason and the ability to process in a way that animals can't. In fact, one thing scientists find absolutely uh, remarkable about humans is our ability to have speech. How is it that we've created language out of our reason? Yes, monkeys and dogs and dolphins can communicate, but even still they don't have words like we do and a variety of languages like we do. We can think far better than anybody else. And yet I promise you two weeks from now, I will have given up on my workout goals and I will still be eating that dessert I shouldn't eat and that extra slice of pizza. Because thinking my way to the good life will not get me there. The truth is you and I as humans, as creatures made by God, were made for love. We ultimately are what we love. Here's what I mean by that. As you can see, I am a donut. We are what we love in that the things we desire and we want become the things we pursue. So if you want to change your life, don't change the things you know or the things you think. Change the things you love. Love the right things and your life will follow suit. Love the wrong things and you'll be left really disappointed. Now, what do I mean by this? There's a lot of things we can love and that aren't bad to love. Anybody in here love the feeling of new clothes? That's great, except what happens after you wash them once or twice? They no longer feel new and now you need to pursue it again. Or or maybe you love the feeling of like sitting by a fire, but I literally can't live my life sitting by a fire all the time. See, if the things you love dictate the way you live, the question we're asking these next few weeks is, do you love what you want to love? Is your life shaped by the desires that are good and healthy or desires that will leave you wanting something different altogether? This isn't a uniquely Christian perspective. In fact, most world religions believe 
that the thing we love, the object of our desire, will change the way we live. If you've ever studied Buddhism as an example, the entirety of Buddhism is summed up in this. Desire produces suffering. If you want to suffer less, learn to desire less. Learn to let go of all your desires and then you won't suffer. The problem is we can't. It is hardwired in our DNA that every one of us craves something that we can love and be loved by. That's part of who we are as humans. In the beginning, God created us in his image to be loved. That's that. So today we're going to look at a section of scripture from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're God is writing to his people through Moses. He's speaking and he's trying to shape the things they love so that the things they love are good and right and honorable. So that the things they love move them in a healthy direction and not a bad direction. Deuteronomy chapter six says this, beginning in verse four. Now context actually, before we begin in verse four context, they have been rescued out of slavery. They are there on the Mount Sinai where God is meeting with them. He's physically present and he's speaking and he's giving to Moses all of these commands. This is what I have for your life. You want to know the good life? Here it is. I'll serve it up on a platter. This is the good life. And here in Deuteronomy 6, after giving these commands, he says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Before we continue, let's just pause right there. God is speaking and he says, here's the thing I want for you. Love me with everything. Does this sound familiar? Later when asked, what's the greatest of the commandment? Jesus quotes this. Love God with everything, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, with all of who you are, love him. That's the most important thing. The Greek that comes in the New Testament for heart, cardia, it's where we get the word cardiology from, right? It implies more than just the center of emotions. In our culture, we often think of the heart as the way you feel. And so we feel good things and we feel bad things. And if we don't feel something, then we move on to find something that will fill that center of feeling. But the heart in Greek is so much more than the center of feeling. It, it, it's almost more like the gut, the stomach, the thing you desire more than anything else. That thing that becomes your guiding compass, your guiding direction, the thing you just know and live and breathe. That is what heart implies. We all have those gut intuitions, right? When there's no, nothing you can think that will tell you why you believe what you believe or why you feel what you feel or why you're doing what you're doing, you just know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is right. I have to do this. That 
gut feeling. It's what's described as this heart, the center of all of our movement. Here in Deuteronomy, he says, look, love the Lord with all of your heart. With everything in you, your whole being, this should be the center of your direction, your guiding compass, God. In fact, in order to do that, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. These words that I speak to you, these things that I'm doing, this should be what shapes the way you approach the whole world. You should teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. Basically, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, these words that I, the Lord, speak to you, this should be the thing that changes everything for you. He goes on, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now that word frontlet, what in the world is that? Well, basically they would wear head coverings with like little tassels so that when they looked, they would view the world through those tassels. And the reason for it was when you look through those, the whole world changes and looks differently. It says, here's the deal. This word of God, who he is, what he's done, his promises, his goodness, this should be the way in which you see the whole world. Are we guided by just thinking about the world? Or just by, like animals, by genetics, we just do what's impulsive? Or are we guided by something altogether different? God and his word, his promises, his goodness, his character, is that the thing that shapes the way we see the world around us? So when we encounter hardship, we can see God even there. When we walk through difficult seasons, we can see God walking beside us or carrying us when we've got nothing left to give. Is God the one that changes how we view this world? He continues in verse 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, basically when everything in your life is going really well, apart from your own design, apart from your own effort, apart from your work, when things are wonderful, there's a warning. Then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst, or in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Whew, what an ending. God should be your only thing, even in the good times. Don't chase after any of these other gods. Or perhaps he may destroy you from the face of the earth. There's a warning here to the people. When things go really well, 
it's tempting to chase after idols. It's tempting to worship and to love someone or something other than God himself. I don't believe that this warning that we shall be destroyed from the face of the earth is because God is an angry, evil God. It does say his anger is what propels this. But I also believe that the reason there's this warning is all of these idols that we unintentionally chase after will always let us down. Perhaps it's the refs at the Music City Bowl. And we thought it was going to go our way. And they blew it for us. Perhaps it's not the refs. Perhaps it's your job, this idol that you've pursued. If only I work harder, then I will get to the place I want to be. If only I strive to have more income and I'm more financially responsible and I spend less money, if only then, then life will go well. All of these things are not God. But when we make them the object of our affection, the object of our love, the thing that shapes and guides us, we will always be left empty. Martin Luther, a pastor in the 1500s, he wrote, what does it mean to have no other gods? He said, a god is whatever you fear, love, and trust the most. So what is it that is your god? Who is it that is your god? Our nature, every one of us by our DNA, is to turn from the god who rescued us to turn from the God who loves us, to turn from the God who's actively working to restore and redeem, and instead to chase after a whole host of other idols. Because we think those things and those desires will fulfill us. He gives this challenge. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Later, the psalmist in Psalm 139, he declares this, he says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See, when God searches the things we love and the things we desire, he doesn't begin with our thoughts. No, he begins with our love. What is it we love? And out of that place, we discover our thoughts. The things you love, the people you love, will shape the way you think and the way you act and the way you live, much more than the things you think. I promise. Later, Jesus is confronted in the New Testament. There's a bunch of religious leaders who are mad because Jesus, he's not living up to the standard of life they expected, to the rules and the regulation made by man, and he's not washing his hands appropriately according to the way they think. And this is what Jesus says. He says, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. See, Jesus, he responds to this challenge that he wasn't doing the right things or having the right attitude. He says, look, the things you say and do are not what changes you. It doesn't define you. What defines you is what comes from your heart. What's inside of you, that's what defines you. How do we know what's inside of you? The things that come out. 
the way you speak, the things you talk about, the way you live, the way your loves are exhibited to the world around you. That reveals what you really care about. As we begin this new year, I recognize that every one of us is prone to pursue idols. Maybe the idols of ourselves. If only I can fix my disorganization or my weight or my shopping habits. If only I can fix these things. But what if we need to stop focusing on ourselves? Maybe the idol that we're worshiping is our family or our relationships we're desiring or our jobs or our football teams. Maybe it's something else that our love is shaped by. But what if you and I took these words seriously and we began to say, God, how can we in 2022 love you with our whole heart? How can you and your words and your promises be the thing that I desire more than anything else? What would that look like in your world to begin to desire God differently? To begin to recognize and take inventory as Vicar Adam will talk next week of the false gods that you've been chasing and say, I no longer want that, but now I'm going to pursue you. See, you and I were made for love. Not only to be creatures who love something, but more importantly, to be creatures who are loved. And if we don't first seek the God who loves us and see in him everything he declares over us, we will never find in all of the rest of our pursuits who we want to be. We'll be left empty and wanting. So as we begin this year, we begin hopeful. God, would you transform our love? Would we lay down our idols and set them aside and seek you first? Would we discover in this year that it's not about all these other false hopes and false dreams? It's just about you. I promise you, he'll be more than enough and he won't disappoint. Will you pray with me? God, you call us to love you with our whole heart. And yet, we rarely do. We chase after idols. We love other things that capture our attention and our, our energy and our mind far more than you do. God, we chase after self-worth and the praise of man. We chase after a better status in life, better job, happiness, a relationship that is perfect, which will never happen. God, we confess to you that we, by our genetic code, are broken. We cannot find the good life by trying harder or doing more. And we confess to you, God, that we need your love to first be poured into us. We need your presence with us that in your presence we can find the things worth loving, that we can begin to fear and love and trust in you above all else. God, when we reorient our love towards you, you will change everything. So help us this year to love you anew, to seek you first, to discover that in you we have everything we need
And may our hearts be transformed to no longer chase after this world, but to find our fullness in you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we are going to continue today in response to what God has done by giving back to him. As we collect an offering this morning, uh, over the last several weeks throughout the month of December, you've heard me talk about Cultivate Community, our effort in this upcoming year to foster friendships, to sustain our future, and then in turn to serve our city. And many of you over the last month have responded in very generous ways, and I'll be sharing some specifics of that next week. So if you're curious how it's going, you can join us then. But this effort to cultivate community, we've been asking every person who calls the point their home to consider giving a year-end gift, a special gift, a one-time gift to help us accomplish some of our goals this next year, or to take a look at your budget and find a way to say, I would like to partner with the point in an ongoing basis through a regular consistent giving online, either a new or an increased one. And I want to let you know it's been really exciting to see each one of us uh, participate in great generosity, and we are really doing great towards our goal of 100% of people who call this place their home to do something, whatever that something looks like for you. So next week, I'll be sharing exactly where we ended, how that looked. Uh, Today, I just want to invite you, if you have not yet had an opportunity to participate, if you've been waiting for the new year to establish this, this new gift, you can do so today, and by doing so, you participate not only in what God is doing in this building, but more importantly, what he's doing through us, his people, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, wherever we go. If you came prepared to give today, or you would like to join us in our effort to cultivate community, you can do so with cash or check in the popcorn buckets in the back as you leave. You can also drop your physical connect card there where we can be praying with you. We can reach out and connect with you if there's something you'd like to talk about. Or you can make your gift online at thepointknox.com uh, by clicking the little button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Groups will be starting um, later this month. So if you would like to join a connect group, uh, I think this Wednesday we'll have registration available. You can sign up and we'll help you find a group. It'll be really great. Yeah. And now this is the part of the service where you guys have asked questions and I'm going to do my best to respond because in this place we believe questions are a healthy part of faith. Doubt and faith are not opposites. In fact, as we wrestle with God in our thoughts, he can move us to love him more in our hearts. So what questions came in today? Um, the first thing we really need to address is uh, happy birthday, Carlos. Hey. I think it's, birthday. is it tomorrow? It's next, next week? A week from now. Well, happy birthday. Oh, it's tomorrow. Early. He's lying. It's tomorrow. Okay. Tell Carlos happy birthday. Um, <laughs> someone also said, Pastor Adam, there are worse things than being a donut. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. Now I'll go in order now that we've uh, had those things. Okay. So is it okay to never ask for help even when you need it? No. If you need help, ask for it. That's the whole reason we as a church are here. Not just as an organization, as a body of believers. We as people can't go through this life alone. We weren't made for that. We were made 
uh, for love, to be loved by God and in turn to be loved by others. And so if you are hurting, if you're in need of help, ask. And it's only by asking that we can come alongside you and say, you are not alone in this endeavor, whatever that be, and we care about you. And we will show you God's love consistently through whatever you're walking through. Amen. Um, Next question. This one's so interesting. Were Adam and Eve the only humans created when God creating when God created mankind, or were there more? Great question. Um, it's a matter of faith. So I believe they were the only people God created at that time, and all of us stem from them. Some people believe there were other people at that time. Uh, the story in Scripture tells us God created them, and then everybody came from that. So. I'm going to say I think they were the only two, and that does raise other questions, which almost always immediately follows, like, how did then their kids get married? And the Bible doesn't specify those details, so I just choose not to pay attention to it. How's that sound? We all collectively go, ew. (laughs) All right. um, Next question. Oh, this isn't exactly a question, but I think they're talking about Yes, connect groups. This group came at the exact moment we needed it and what we were looking for. They quickly became some of our favorite people and helped us move closer to God. Even if we didn't, uh, uh, this might be my group. Even if we didn't finish all the studies on time or at all, (laughs) we can't wait to start meeting again. Sorry we didn't make the video. Oh, sorry, I didn't. Anyway, yeah, you're welcome. It's fine. Where are you? Are they online? Anyway, our connect group ruled. It was very fun and I love them. The joy of texting questions is we don't know who texted in until we start reading. So unless you make it obvious. It was someone from my group. Um, Okay, and this last question, are we supposed to fill out a Connect card every Sunday? Great question. I see no reason not to. I mean, you can connect every Sunday and say, hey, here's how you can be praying for me or for the people around me. And maybe things are going great. And you're like, I don't need any prayer that I know of, but there's somebody around me who's struggling. Can you be praying for them? Or maybe things are going great, and you're like, will you join me in thanking God that things are going great right now? That's a good prayer request, too. So I say, by all means, fill one out every week, and then we can be praying for you every week. Certainly, if you've never filled one out before, fill one out, because that's how we can begin to contact you, not in like a spammy, weird sort of way, but in a, hey, we care about you, how are you doing sort of way. So Absolutely. That's all the questions for this morning. That was much easier than I was expecting. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Give all the tough questions next week to Vicar Adam. He would appreciate that as part of his growth process. He's literally uh, running away. He's, he's out. <laughs> scared him away already. Before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.